Hey, JFC. I hope everybody is doing well. I want to welcome everybody at all the campuses, whether you're online at Lakewood, Castle Rock, Highlands Ranch, or at Lone Tree. We are honored that you would be with us this weekend. Hey, before I jump into the message, I want to just um, add on or, or continue with what Pastor John and what Pastor Marcus is and Evan and Pastor Bob and Pastor DJ talked about in regards to volunteers. One of the things I get to do in my role as executive pastor is I get to go from campus to campus every weekend. Sometimes it'll be two, three, and occasionally I'll get to go to four different campuses in one weekend, all four of them. And so um, one of the things that I notice every time I go is all of the volunteers that help us out. The only way we accomplish what we do is because of you volunteers. And I want to say thank you very much. And I was thinking about it this weekend, and I just wanted to tell you this. Anytime someone gives their heart to the Lord, anytime someone gets freed from maybe an addiction or they get freed from something that has uh, been hindering them, anytime uh, they mend a relationship with a spouse, maybe a child or even just a friend, anytime something like that happens, you volunteers get treasures in heaven. Because that could not happen without you guys. And so thank you very much at all of the campuses for every single volunteer that helps us out, accomplish, helps us accomplish everything that we do. Thank you very much. All right. We'll jump in. I'm going to open up with a word of prayer. Um, I have uh, a great message for you. Uh, I pray that you would ask God to speak to you. I, to be honest with you, I have a lot of information, and so I'm going to pray that God would accelerate my, my speech. I'm just kidding. I, I don't want to talk too fast. I'm going to pray that he keeps me nice and slow, but I get through it all. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the love that you have given to us, the love that is set as an example for our lives. We thank you that, Heavenly Father, you are love. And so, Lord, I pray that as I speak this message on loving our neighbors as ourself. Lord, I pray that you would communicate your heart through my words into the hearts and the minds and the spirits of every person listening. We give you this service and ask that you would have your way. We pray these things in your name and everybody said Amen. Hey, we are in a series called Burning Love. This is part three. The foundation scripture of this series is found in Matthew chapter 22, verses 36 through 40. And it says this, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Last verse here says, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. You know, what, what an incredible statement right there. All of the law and the prophets hang on these two things. And for me, as we've been talking about it as a teaching team, it really struck me that everything that we want to accomplish, everything that we would want to do in regards to hearing the heart of God and understanding what the will of God is, is summed up right here in these two things. Loving God with our, all of who we are and loving our neighbor as ourself. We could spend the rest of our lifetimes just working on these two things, yes? How many of you know it's tough to love your neighbor? That's what we're going to talk about. This message is titled Tough Love. And um, 
there are so many different ways I could have gone. And so I just prayed and I really felt like the Lord just wanted me to, to really hit just on two different things. Uh, but like I often do, I posted on Facebook uh, a question. And the question was this. What type of relationship comes to mind when I say the words tough love? And I got all kinds of great responses. And I summarized them into four different categories. The most common one, when people think of tough love, the most common response was a parent-child relationship. Now, if you're a kid in here, listen to me, and your parent has ever said this to you, this is harder on me than it is on you, and you don't understand, you will one day. <laughs> Parents, yes? yes? Do you remember your, your mom and dad saying that to you, and you looking at them like, you are out of your mind. But then you became a parent. And the first time you really had to give tough love and you had to give discipline to your child, it broke your heart, didn't it? And so that's the most common response that came up. But then I got a bunch of different other great ones. How about this one? Love that sets boundaries, deals with real issues, and does not enable somebody. Being in a relationship where you have the love enough for that person that you don't allow them to continue into different things that maybe they, they may struggle with in their life. And we're going to talk a little bit about that um, as we go into this message. How about this third one? Loving a difficult person, someone you might not like. Anybody have that person in their life? I got to thinking this. If you can say, no, I don't have that person, you may be that person. <laughs> I'm just, I mean, just to take home. I don't know. I'm just saying. <laughs> Or how about this one? Loving someone that you really like. Maybe it's a coworker or a neighbor in your neighborhood. Loving someone that maybe doesn't have the same belief system as you. How do you love them without sacrificing your beliefs? How do you love them without giving up what you stand for and your morals? And I thought, wow, these are great responses. And really, um, it is hard to love when you have these different relationships going in your life. And if you're like most people, I think you probably have relationships in all four of those areas. And so what I am hoping to do today is I'm hoping to communicate um, some, some truth about how to love in those tough love situations and then hopefully give you some practical ideas that, to be honest with you, my prayer is that the Holy Spirit would remind you tomorrow, this week, next week and for months to come oh yeah i've got to love even though it's tough in this situation and hopefully some practical ways to do that and so again there was so many different ways i could go um, i felt like the lord wanted me to just share two different understandings that he wants all of us to have regarding tough love and again so many more things on love the the entirety of the bible is talking about how we're supposed to love god and love one another but two things that i want to focus on this weekend. The first one is this. When it comes to tough love, when it comes to loving our neighbors as ourselves, there are two different types of neighbors. There are two different types of neighbors. I'm going to read a section of scripture. See if you can't pick out the two types of neighbors. Remember, we're called to love our neighbor as ourselves. Here's the two different types. Listen to this at 1 Corinthians 5, 9 through 12. When I wrote to you before, I told you not to associate with people who indulge in sexual sin. 
But I wasn't talking about unbelievers who indulge in sexual sin or are greedy or cheat people or worship idols. You would have to leave this world to avoid people like that. I meant that you are not to associate with anyone who claims to be a believer yet indulges in sexual sin or is greedy or worship idols or is abusive or is a drunkard or cheats people. Don't even eat with such people. It isn't my responsibility to judge outsiders, but it certainly is your responsibility to judge those inside the church who are sinning. It's kind of an interesting scripture, isn't it? When we're talking about tough love, it gets in there right there. And I think that you can clearly see there's two different types of people that this is referring to. There's believers who profess that Jesus Christ is their Lord and their Savior, Savior and ways that we're supposed to have relationship with those. And then there's unbelievers. In verse 10, it says, if I was talking about unbelievers who indulge in sexual sin or are greedy or cheat people or worship idols, you would have to leave this world to avoid people like that. And so church, here's what the problem is in my mind as I was praying through this and I was preparing this. A lot of times the church thinks that there's just one neighbor or one type of neighbor. And so therefore they treat the believer the exact same way that they would treat the unbeliever. And that's why we have these churches that will hold up signs that say, God hates fill in the blank. Because they're trying to go into a world and they're trying to set a standard. They're trying to set uh, the moral compass based on the Bible because they truly believe that that's their conviction and that's the heart of God. And so they throw this sign out and to the unbeliever, it pushes them away. Yes? I had a good friend that got to go to the Super Bowl a few weeks ago. And he, I was saying, man, how was the game? Oh, man, the game was awesome. It was amazing. And he went through all of that. And he said, but you know, there was one thing that disappointed me. And I said, what was that? He goes, everywhere I went on the outside, there were people with megaphones that were yelling, repent, you're going to hell. Repent, you're going to hell. We've seen that. If you've ever gone to a sporting event, you've probably seen it. How effective is that into actually reaching out and loving a neighbor as yourself? It's not very effective at all, is it? See, the problem here is if you don't understand there's two different types of neighbor, the problem is that we try to go out into the world, and I love what Pastor John has said in the past. He said, it's like trying to clean a fish before you catch it. You can't do that. I actually thought about this one for the ladies. It's like trying to go decorate a house that you haven't bought yet. Oh, yeah, my wife says. It wouldn't go over very well. Try stepping into your neighbor's house and start rearranging the furniture and, and without asking them if it's okay. It wouldn't go very well. And so when we don't have an understanding that there are two different types of neighbors that we're supposed to love our, as ourselves, then we start on the wrong foot. So I wanted to talk briefly about how do we give love? What does the Bible say? about giving love to those two different neighbors. First one, tough love towards a fellow believer. And I don't have time in the message to go into all of the different scriptures, but I put them in your notes so that you can go this week and look them up. How about this? The Bible says this, that iron 
sharpens iron. Now we use that quote, uh, iron sharpens iron as another man sharpens another man's countenance. And we use that quote to talk about discipleship and relationship and, and fellowship and how, um, you know, that's how we're supposed to be interacting with one another. And, and it's almost kind of like this really nice verse that we just wrotely quote as iron sharpens iron. Have you ever seen that? Kank! Kank! Iron sharpening iron. It's not fun. It's tough. It hurts. And I just quickly want to say that if you don't have somebody that you've given permission to come into your life and give you a good whack, I want you to pray about that. Because we all need somebody in our life to do that. And we all should have somebody that we can do that to. I have pastors on staff that I have a relationship with. I've got people in this service right now that I have a relationship with that he can say anything that he needs to to me. And I can say anything to him. Because we understand that in order to love one another, we have to have the ability to sharpen one another in that relationship. So that's one of the ways the Bible says. How about this one? In Proverbs 27, 6, says, wounds from a friend can be trusted. Very similar situation. Do you have a relationship, once again, where you've actually asked the person, hey, if I'm doing something wrong, if, if I'm doing something that doesn't line up with the word of God, would you please speak that out to me? I might get angry. I might get upset. I might tell you to get out of the room and leave me alone. But I know that those words are going to be trusted. And I know that the Holy Spirit is going to come in and use them to shape me and to change me. Because that's what tough love is about. Tough love, as a parent disciplining a child, tough love, you understand, there are times where you just have to say things. And hopefully, you're doing them in love. But there are times where you have to say things that are going to hurt. Do you have somebody in your life that can speak that to you? Okay, it goes on. Different section of scripture. It says this in Ephesians 4.15. It says that we are supposed to speak the truth in love. Right before that, it talks about how we are to mature in our walk with the Lord. Paul, a couple different times, talks about how we are supposed to be maturing in our relationship with the Lord. At one point, he gets actually a little bit of frustrated, and he's talking about how you are still drinking milk when you should be eating meat. You should be maturing in your relationship. How do we mature in a relationship? You have a relationship with people that will speak the truth to you in love, and you can speak truth to them in love. See, we have a whole lot of people that think that they are truth, the truth police, I guess. And I will speak truth to whomever, whenever I see it. And the problem with that is that if you don't have a relationship with a person and you start to speak truth, it's not going to be received. You've got to build that relationship first. You have to have that relationship where you can sharpen one another. You have to have a relationship where the words of a friend, the wounds of a friend can be trusted. Then you can speak that truth in love. But even if you don't have that relationship, if you feel like you need to speak truth to somebody, I want to encourage you with all of my heart, do it with as much grace and mercy and love as you possibly can. 
Speak the truth in love. It goes on another section in Galatians. It says that as believers in relationship with other believers, we are to gently restore one another. Gently restore. It says if you find someone caught in sin, gently restore them. Don't hit them over the head with your Bible. Gently restore them. In 2 Timothy, it says this, that we are to gently instruct. Right before it says those words, it actually says not to be quarrelsome. Do you know one of the problems, one of the reasons we can't reach into the world is because we have so many quarrels inside the church with other brothers and sisters that we are supposed to be family members. We fight so much, the world goes, I don't want any part of that. We'll talk about that in just a minute. How about this one? It says... Or I, I actually just wanted to kind of add this point. We need to address whatever the issue may be with that fellow believer. We need to address it biblically. Matthew 18, 15 through 17 says this. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault. Just but between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen to even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Oh man, I wish I had enough time to go into all this stuff. You know, we don't do this very well. You know what is easier? It's easier to gossip about the person's problem. It's easier to go talk to two or three other people about that person. The Bible says that if you have ought with somebody, you are to go to that person. Church, this is tough love. It's never fun to go to that person. No one really likes conflict. Okay, there might be a small percentage, but most people don't like conflict. But the Bible says that if you have something that's in between you and a brother or sister, you are to go to them and speak to them. Stop talking to your friends about that issue. Go talk to the person. If all of these things, and there's several more in the Bible, if all of these things don't work out, the Bible actually says, have nothing to do with this believer. If they will not change, have nothing to do. You know, Paul says actually in a couple different things that he gave certain believers over so that he, it actually says this. He gave them over to the enemy so that they might be saved. That's tough love right there. Okay, how about tough love towards non-believer? <laughs> First part in your notes there. Love your fellow believer. What? Let me read a verse. John 13, 34 through 35. A new command I give to you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Listen to these words that Jesus spoke. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. What he's saying is that if we will love one another inside of the church family, then the world will see us doing that, and they will be attracted to us because of our love that we have for one another. Again, what I said earlier, the problem that we've had is we've got so much quarrels and so much denominational battles and so much yelling at one another that are in the family of Jesus Christ that the world looks on the inside and goes, 
I don't want any part of this. I don't want any part of this. If you want to reach your neighbor, if you want to reach a coworker, you want to reach a family member, and you have ought with somebody inside the church, go fix that. So that they can see something that's different than that's what's in the world. Well, that's good, guys. All right. Love the non-believer like Jesus Christ would. I'm pretty sure Jesus Christ wouldn't hold up banners that said, God hates, fill in the blank. I know he wouldn't. Because when he walked and talked on this planet, he didn't do that. He actually went into these people's homes. He got involved into their lives. Now, the really interesting thing about Jesus Christ is that when he did that, he never compromised what he believed or who he was. But he went right into their home. He didn't invite them to where he was. He actually went to where they were. Pick whatever hot topic button you want to pick. And let me just ask you, do you have a relationship with somebody in that issue? And are you going into their home to build relationship? Because that's tough love. We are supposed to love our neighbor as ourselves. How would you want to be loved if you were struggling with a sin issue? How would you want people to react to you? How would you want people to give you truth? How would you want people to come and try to get you to understand that thing? Apply that to those relationships. The final one I just put in your notes, be the salt and the light of the world. You can find that in Matthew 5, 13 through 16. Um, with both of these types of neighbors, the way that you interact with these people is you have to show preference to them. You have to show preference to them. Philippians 2, 3 says this, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility, Value others above yourself. Man, this is tough. This is tough. If you've been married, you know this is tough. To love someone and give them preference over yourself, that's humility. Man, that takes everything that I have in me and sometimes I do it well, and other times I do it terribly. We are incredibly selfish by nature. No amens, huh? <laughs> Let me rephrase it. I am incredibly selfish by nature. Amen. Oh, I knew that. Okay. <laughs> it says, rather in humility, value others above yourself. When it says love your neighbors as yourself, you got to go beyond even thinking this way. I'm going to love this person the way that I would want to receive love. Because most likely the person doesn't receive love that way. You actually have to figure out how they receive love and then you have to love them that way because that's how you would want to be loved. And so when you go out, whether you're talking to a believer or you're talking to a non-believer, I want you to go out and give them preference. 
try to do everything you can to figure out where they're at and to try to love them in that way. And so that brings me to the second thing I wanted to bring to your attention. The second thing that I believe that God wants you to understand, and that is this. As we navigate in loving our neighbor as we love ourselves, the focus as we go into these things needs to be on you. Well, now wait a second, Pastor Dan. You just said just a minute ago that I, I need to show them preference. Now you're telling me that I'm supposed to focus on myself. Yes. What I mean by it is this. When it comes to the issue, I want you to show them preference. But when it comes to the interaction, I want you to focus in on you and how you're doing in navigating through this relationship. Let me give you some practical points. And again, these are the things that I am hoping the Holy Spirit will just remind you of. <clears throat> Before I go into the points, I, I was talking to my wife about this. And we got this discussing about it. And the truth is this. When God allows somebody who is difficult to love into your life, it's actually a great litmus test to how you're doing. I'm going to say it again because it wasn't overall response was, you know, not real good. Bear. <laughs> Listen to that. When God allows somebody that is tough to love into your life, it is a great litmus test to how you're doing with Matthew 22. I know at times that I am an incredibly difficult person to love. And it, during those times, God is testing my wife. And she always responds really well. All the time. But think about that. Isn't that so true? Man, it's easy to love people when things are going well, when you like them and they like you, and they're telling you the good things and you're telling them. Good. It's so easy to have that relationship. It's so wonderful to have those relationships. But when that person comes into your life that is difficult to love, or maybe it's just a situation, and that individual is hard to love, what do you do during those times? Put the finger on you. And then apply these few things. Number one, ask for the heart of God. Ask for the heart of God. Let him soften your heart. When you find yourself in a situation where it's difficult to love somebody, ask for the heart of God. You know, Galatians says the fruit of the Spirit is love, peace, patience, God, you know, goes through those things. One of those things is love. And when I tell you to ask for the heart of God, don't go, oh God, here comes that person, I see him. Oh God, please give me love, please, please give me love, please give me. Guess what? You have it. You already have it in you. So the prayer should be this. Heavenly Father, the love for this person. <laughs> is in me. I don't feel it. I don't see it. But the word of God says it's in me. And so they're getting really close. So give it to me now. Help me to understand how to flow in that. Give me your heart for this person. Just recently I had a counseling session and I wish the counseling session was going really well, but it was not. And the person wasn't listening to anything I was saying. The person was just doing whatever they wanted to 
do and say whatever they wanted to say. And I found myself getting frustrated. Do you ever ever have those thoughts? Now, I'm just going to be really transparent and vulnerable before you right now. Do you ever have those thoughts when you're talking to somebody? Please stop. (laughs) Just stop talking. You don't say it out loud, but if they could hear you, you'd be like, stop talking! And I found myself in this session starting to have that thought. Man, you just need to stop talking. And almost immediately, I had this thought come across my mind. I love that person. Man, it broke my heart. But it was so good. Because I began to realize, you know what? Jesus, you care for this. You died for this person. And where I started to drift when this person was talking, I actually engaged again. Because God gave me his heart for this person and not my flesh. And I was able to go through and give some other practical things. I will see if it was effective or not, but here's the truth. It was difficult for me. And in those times where it's difficult for you, ask God, give me your heart for this person. Soften my heart for this person. As he does that, I think there's some very practical things that you can, you can do that will help you to love in these relationships that may be difficult to love in. Heard an illustration, and um, actually, because the weather was so nice this week, I actually got to go golfing this week, so it was wonderful. I heard the illustration, I got to go practice the illustration, and so I just want to share uh, another way to, to navigate through this difficult or tough love is you need to see both sides. And um, I don't know if how many golfers I have or, or how many people watch it on Sunday morning or Sunday afternoon. Um, some really are very interested in it. Some of you might just watch it so you can take a nap. Um, but I think most everybody has at least seen uh, at one time or another somebody putt. They hit these shots. They finally get it onto the green. And there's this little hole. And they got to get this little white ball into that hole. And it could be five feet, ten feet. Um, the good golfers, when they are about to putt, they will actually stand over the ball. They will look at it. They will walk back behind the ball. They will look at it. And then they do something very strange. They walk all the way around where the hole is. And they look at it again. I'm not a very good golfer, but... I have experienced the impact of actually walking around and seeing it from a different angle. Because it may look like it's going to bend to the right from here. But if I look at it from the other side, occasionally you will see, well, that thing's not going to go to the right. It's actually going to go to the left. And it will help me to be able to putt and get that ball into that hole. Why do I use that illustration? Because when we love one another, we have to understand there is a completely different side to whatever you're going through with this person that is not your side. There's two sides to every story. And you have to walk around to the other side and try your very best to understand where this is coming from. Now, I'm going to stop real quick and say, this word that I'm speaking to right now is for you. 
Don't elbow a spouse. Don't go home later and say, see, you need to come around and see my side. <laughs> no. You need to try to go see the other side. And in a marriage relationship, if both people would actually try to go do that, I believe that a majority of the problems would get solved fairly quickly. But we're too selfish to do it. And we fight for our side, for our angle. And we never go try to see the other side. Go around. See the other side. As you're doing that, look for the ways that the enemy is getting involved. And the enemy loves to get involved through insecurities. I can tell you that a majority of any argument or any issues that my wife and I have with one another is because of insecurities. There's an insecurity in me that I'm afraid of or I'm ashamed of or I, I can't grab a hold of. And so therefore it comes up in our conversation and then I lash out or I have a difficult time loving my wife because of that insecurity that is in me. Point back to yourself. Look at and find out what those insecurities are. Is the enemy whispering something about that insecurity and therefore hindering a relationship? My mom used to, man, this used to bug, oh, bug me so bad. My mom used to say this. My mom, uh, <laughs> still bothers me today, can you tell? When I would have problems with somebody, have problems loving another person, nah, I just don't like that. I, uh, she would go and say this. You know, sometimes, Dan, the things that you are irritated about another person are the things that you do. I'll just let that sit. The enemy loves to use the insecurities. Now, it's interesting because as my wife and I talked about it. It's funny because I will get upset at her insecurities too. I can see where the enemy will be beating her up in this particular area. And I will get so mad at what's going on. Kim, don't you see? You are good at this. You can do this. You're amazing at this. And yet the enemy is just telling her that she's no good. And how effective is it if I just keep yelling at her, you're being tricked by the devil. You are the devil. Get out of here. You know, it doesn't go well. But what if I were to walk around the other side and see the insecurities that she's dealing with? We're talking about how to navigate in tough love situations. Realize that we have an enemy that doesn't want any iron sharpening iron. And so therefore, he's going to do whatever he can to get into that relationship and divide it. See if you can figure out what that scheme is. What are the insecurities? Lift them up in that place and instead of berating them. Does that make sense? How about this one? Set boundaries. This isn't, I'm not saying that you just lay over and, and give, you know, whatever that you need to in that relationship and they, got, they, get, they get all the cake, they get to eat it too and you don't get anything. That's not what I'm saying. So there are times where you do have to set boundaries. And again, I don't have enough time to go into all of this. Um, but there, there are books. I know Henry Cloud, I believe, wrote a book called Boundaries. And, and it's incredible. Boundaries are important. Do you know that if you don't set boundaries with kids, they will go out of control? <laughs> I, know, I know that's shocking to all you parents. Let me rephrase it. Do you know that if you set boundaries with your kids, it is incredibly healthy for them? 
They actually find security in those things. And so ask the Lord what those boundaries might be in those difficult relationships. And the last thing, then I'll close. Do everything to have peace in these relationships. You may not obtain it, but at worst, you will have peace about the relationship. I heard this in a message. I thought it was just so good that I decided that I was going to close with it. You know, there's a verse in the Bible that says that with everything that we have, try to have peace in relationships that you have. Now, not in every relationship will you end up having that peace. But if you have asked God to give you his heart, if you've gone around to the other side to see what their viewpoint is, what their insecurities may be, what your insecurities are in that situation, if you've done everything you can to set up good, healthy boundaries, and you still can't have peace in that relationship, then you can at least look at it and go, I have peace about the relationship because I've done everything that I possibly could to love this person in a way that I would want to be loved. Strive to have peace in every relationship that you have. So I'm gonna finish by just saying this. Church, my heart is that we would be a family of believers that would love one another in ways that this community would be blown away that they would be attracted to the church just because of how we interact with one another. Instead of fighting and quarreling and having little quibbles about the color of carpet or whatever it may be. What if we were able to get along and see one another's viewpoint and love one another in difficult ways? What if we actually went and addressed issues when they came up instead of gossip about them? What if we did these things? I believe with all of my heart we would see such growth inside of the church that people would be attracted to it and that they would want to come be a part of it. And it sets the stage then to go out and reach your neighbor or your coworker or an unbeliever that you have interaction with because you are already loving your fellow believer as you would want to love yourself. And therefore that sets the stage for you to be able to reach a hurting world. And so I just finished by asking you this. Will you allow the Holy Spirit this week, this month, as we head towards Easter, you know, that's only like six weeks away. There's people that need to know about the good news of Jesus Christ, and you may be the only connection to them. And if you're here, and you've been hurt because people in the church have tried to clean you before Jesus ever exposed his love to you, I want to apologize, and I want to say God loves you. He's crazy about you. He died. He sent his son on your behalf. And I apologize on behalf of anybody inside of the church that didn't understand how to love as that they would want to be loved. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this message of love that you have given to us. We thank you so much that you have uh, given us an understanding of how to love you and then how to love one another. And Lord, you said that all of the law and all of the prophets are summed up in these two things. And so Lord, I pray that we would be incredibly good at them. Lord, help each one of us have a better understanding of how to love you and how to love our neighbor in a way that we never have before. God, remind us this week and this month these practical ways 
to show love in these difficult relationships that come from time to time. And so, Lord, we thank you once again for the example that you set before us in your son, Jesus. Help us to walk as much as we can in the way and in the love that he walked. Pray these things in your name. Amen.